0: Welcome to The Antioch Word, a podcast for the Antioch College community. My name is Rachel Isaacson. I'm a co-host and Miller Fellow here at WYSO Public Radio Station. In mid-December, groups interested in working together to work on issues happening around the US-Mexico border met here at Antioch College to network and organize. Today we'll hear from Lucas Wilcox from the organization Altruistic Relief. Please note, There are some glitches in this recording, but we believe that this is an interview you'll want to hear.
1: My name is Lucas Wilcox. My friends call me Lucid, and I'm working with Altruist Relief, a disaster relief organization that's been feeding people affected by hurricanes and protests and things like that around the United States.
0: What is it that your organization has done?
1: So it's been uh, growing and evolving uh, over the past several years. And uh, we've done everything from uh, Standing Rock and Democratic National Convention protests to feeding disaster relief and people affected by the hurricanes from Harvey and uh, in Baton Rouge, um, the Syrian refugee camps off the co- coast of Turkey and been doing aid work in Nicaragua, and lots of various things around the country. Just in preparation and in building this humanitarian aid organization with kind of a revolutionary, radically different style trying to rethink and redesign the, the structure and the mechanism of humanitarian aid so that it can, with a, a high degree of agility and kind of dynamic movement, uh, address a, a bunch of different kinds of problems simultaneously.
0: So what is a humanitarian relief organization to you?
1: Well, I, I, I guess like the core of, of what's happening right now is I'm, I'm assuming there's maybe a million of us. If there's like one in 7,000 people around the world working to repair the ecosystem and stabilize this transition of civilization, then there's about a million people all working together trying to create the positive change necessary to weather this impending mass extinction and uh, create some sort of symbiosis between civilization and the ecosystem. And that desire to help out to create positive change beneficial, that's the, this feeling, this idea of altruism. And it's kind of at the heart of humanitarian aid where uh, an aid organization is a group of people motivated by that desire, cooperating together such that they can accomplish specific goals and be more beneficial together than the sum total of their actions if they were working separately.
0: Can you explain how this project came to be?
1: It's, it's out of uh, the desire to help out on the largest scale possible. We're in a burning house. Uh, we're all in this house together. Uh, what do we do to figure out what the fire is and how to put it out? There's, um, if measures anything that doesn't really address the root of the problem is going to be insufficient because the problem is so severe. So um, there's a a million different problems that we're all working on that all fold into each other. There's climate change and nuclear nonproliferation and refugee movements and suppression of, of minorities and all these different things around the world, they feed into this one overlying idea that this transition of civilization is killing the world. And we're trying to work together to stabilize this rogue mechanism um, and turn it into an agent of symbiosis. So this project is um, an attempt to make a mechanism that's able to um, address kind of vastly different problems by figuring out a common element between them. So it's focusing on, as, as all humanitarian aid is in theory, existence, education, and empowerment. So the basic necessities of existence like food, water, shelter, sanitation, medical, that's a disaster relief organization, that's a refugee camp. Education, once you have the basic necessities of existence maintained, education of awareness of what's happening and what we do about it uh, enables you to you use the tools of empowerment to create positive change. So that that basis requires a certain amount of gear, a certain amount of gear and cooperation and coordination. But then that, what I call like the missing core of humanitarian aid organizations, that foundation, that base, that core is able to do basically anything. You can build a school or a well or a refugee camp. You can help an impoverished community. You can put uh, young kids into college or something. There's so many different things that can happen once you've built this core capable of supporting those different actions. And that's part of the theory, the feeling behind the vision of altruist relief.
0: So what do you think needs to be done to get to the core of the problem?
1: So th- I guess the problem is, is so broad that there's governmental solutions, for instance, and there's scientific solutions and there's academic solutions. And in this particular of humanitarian aid, it's trying to contemplate a coordination, a mechanism that can um, move really quickly. Because it's hard for government to move quickly, it's designed not to move quickly. Institutions uh, often have like slow and arduous procedures. An aid organization can mobilize rapidly, move physically to an area, and provide those basic necessities of existence and relevant education and tools of empowerment instantaneously in a really powerful way. So this, the idea is um, by making that agile. Uh, dynamic organization that um, it can, it can uh, apply to so many different realms. And it's, w- the altruist relief is in this period of expansion right now where the, the procedure and the, uh, the initial gear has been built. And what I mean by gear is like every physical object. So we're trying to redesign from the foundation what a humanitarian aid organization is. And the structure of it kind of has three pillars.
0: You're listening to my conversation with Lucas Wilcox from the organization Altruistic Relief. Altruistic Relief was on Antioch campus mid-December to meet with other parties of interest working on issues along the border. We'll continue this conversation talking about the structural pillars of a disaster relief organization.
1: You can think of it as the, the why, the what, the how, and the who. So the why is that altruism in the center. It's this, this heart of altruism. The who is the volunteers and the workers and the associations and connections, the kind of like the people that make the thing happen. The what is the, the vision. It's the what are we going to do, what's going to take place, but it's also the what are we doing now and the what has happened. That's the transparency aspect That's kind of the mind. So there's these three pillars the the body the who who's doing it the people the volunteer experience the mind the vision and the transparency of the organization but then there's this how um, how are we going to physically do this thing that we've determined is important and that's the gear and the procedures that the organization employs so the the gear is, is we're trying to reinvent on a fundamental level. We use, like, the, the world's largest functional teepees as our um, shelter, these 2,000-square-foot tents that um, are designed to be 50 times cheaper than a dome or a yurt of a comparable size and 10 times lighter and easily set up. We cook 100-gallon meals on collapsible rocket stoves. And uh, we've reinvented like the water system so we can tap mountain springs on the water miles through the forest and filter it and sterilize it and provide it. And so rethinking these pillars, the, the, the action, the, the how, the, the mind, the vision and transparency and the volunteer experience, um, we're trying to make something kind of that, that doesn't exist, a, a, like a revolutionary improvement on the idea of providing humanitarian aid, of creating positive change. Like, for instance, the transparency is something that we can all see in humanitarian aid organizations as being omitted or grossly lacking, where you just have this general feeling of there being um, high-paid CEOs and administrative bureaucracy, but you don't really have any idea what Red Cross did with $500 million that it raised for Haiti because there's no – real thing to show from it. They had debts they paid, but how do you lose half a billion dollars? So that transparency has been this gross uh, omission, like you're throwing money into a black hole or you're putting coins in a wishing well and hoping that it makes some sort of difference. So we have uh, this kind of portal where you can the organization and scroll through receipts, uh, photographs of receipts sectioned by date and subject and look at the the donations that come in and see uh, the financial transparency but also the logistic transparency to see videos of like what's taking place and how we're going about it so that some little old lady in the midwest can see where her hundred dollars went for example like redesigning the gear from scratch every piece of it to make it as efficient as possible made from recycled materials easily reproducible uh, simple to create making the transparency so that anybody can navigate it, and then making like a volunteer experience where you don't have to pay a lot to come and work for an organization as though it's a babysitting service, but you are able to exist without expense and provide some vital service according to your talents and your interests and abilities. So rethinking that structure of humanitarian aid, trying to come up with a recursively self-improving model is kind of the first step, because once that project exists, it can take on virtually any problem in a really rapid type of way.
0: Yeah, and then others can just replicate, like once there's a good system in place and someone else can say, great, great idea. I think I'm gonna do this here. There's a situation in my community and I think I can do it here. And then that's the coordination part too, I'm assuming.
1: For sure, that's a great point. Like um, through uh, procedural videos, Um, We can describe every little element. You could follow a thread down into like the cooking of 100 gallons of rice or you could follow some thread down into the creation of a water system or the building of rocket stoves to feed a community and through procedural videos be able to see um, exactly how the whole how to duplicate it, how you could improve it if you have a suggestion. It could be like a crowdfunding, a crowdsourcing of ideas for how to recursively improve the thing. And then, like you're saying, certainly how to duplicate it, how a a local community could use some portion of it to feed the homeless or to um, clean up in a local ecosystem or something to that effect. So absolutely.
0: What is your project about to be involved in?
1: So we're partnering with the few different organizations, including uh, Antioch College, to move down and set up a refugee camp near Tijuana on the Mexican side of the border for the flow of refugees coming up from Central America. And uh, providing initially just the emergency services, the food, water, shelter, sanitation, medical for those groups of people. and potentially trying to set up in a couple of different locations because there's a little bit of, uh, of unknown uh, variables as to where the um, brunt of the refugee flow is going to end up being. And there's just been a movement of people from into, uh, another place farther south. So um, setting up a, a dynamic and easily um, scalable, modular, movable refugee camp to help with that influx of refugees.
0: What sort of supplies are you looking for?
1: So the primary supply is um, really intelligent people. The thing that we really need is the, um, more than anything else always, is the type of person that has a really applicable skill that could be anything from industrial sewing or welding to Uh, running a restaurant or just coordinating distribution and logistics that would be interested in going down uh, periodically in shifts, let's say, uh, two at a time even, to help out on the Mexican side. And then that human resource on the location in Mexico, we would like to coordinate with people in different communities around the United States, um, both to help produce this gear that we've uh, designed and invented in our building, but also to stockpile resources like certain bulk foods and things that would be able to be transported down there. So a family that had no ability of traveling down to Mexico or helping down there could be directly involved in participating in the effort simply by um, facilitating a A drive for food or say blank by donating a service of welding for a particular design of a stove or that type of thing fundraising at a church or a community center Um, those are all like really uh, important potential ways that people in local communities around the United States could participate in the endeavor in Mexico
0: is there anything that you would like listeners to know about
1: I would like them to know about uh, as much as possible, I guess, which is quite a task to figure out what's going on in the world right now is like almost a full-time job. Uh, It's there's so many different uh, battles happening simultaneously to maintain some fragments of ecosystem uh, amidst this chaotic uh, unfoldment of civilization acting like a, a viral epidemic stabilize civilization in such a way that uh, we can nurture and repair the ecosystem and eventually enter into some sort of symbiosis with it. So in general, I want people to know as much as possible about what's happening, because that context really uh, is one of the key components to cultivating that altruism and that desire to be beneficial and to create the positive change. And beyond that, just individually, instantly, that your efforts, if you have to remain somewhere, if you have your whole life to dedicate to a project, or if you only have a few hours a week, that your efforts um, are incredibly beneficial right now if you can find key avenues to put your energy into. And they they have this shockwave um, because this next couple of decades is arguably the most important time in the unfoldment of life on earth because we're at this crossroads between creating a civilization as powerful and as sentient as is possible to exist and we're at a potentially sterilizing the earth like has never happened in the previous five mass extinctions and our actions Right now, the things that we put our life into and we put our daily energy into are so critically important that just hundreds of people's life path can make the difference between those two potential outcomes.
0: That was Lucas Wilcox from Altruistic Relief. You're listening to The Antioch Word. You can find more podcasts like this on WISO.org and NPR One.